Hello, I am C-3PO, and I believe the storyteller is ready. So, let us begin. We pick back up in Rogue One with Director Krennic reporting back to his boss, who is a very interesting uh, reveal, uh, Grand Moff Tarkin. Uh, back from the dead, kind of, sort of. Uh, and so it's a little bit tense. This is the first time we really see that Krennic's really not in charge. He reports to higher-ups, and there are scarier people than he. Uh, Tarkin is starting to grow impatient with the pursuit of the the finishing of the Death Star project. It's outside the window. It looks menacing, but we need to see for sure that it actually works. So he's insisting that they test out a demo, which is maybe not quite ready just yet. Yes, we find out that uh, the Death Star is Krennic's baby. It's his project, and Tarkin really doesn't have a ton of faith in it. But we cut back to Jin, Cassian, and K2, and they're on. They're flying towards Jeddah. Uh, they go to Jeddah City. Uh, Cassian instructs K2 to stay back with the ship, and him, him and Jin go into town. They're kind of covert. They're going to try and find some of Saw Gerrera's uh, insurgents. And while they're kind of going throughout the town, they run into a guy who's really interested in kyber crystals, and he's kind of talking in riddles, and then Saw's insurgents attack, and all shit breaks loose in the middle of the town, and there's grenades going off and bombs going off, and ultimately our heroes are able to kind of get away and shimmy off to the side, but... K2's lie to the stormtroopers that he's taking them in doesn't really fly. This kind of results in yet another confrontation, but they're rescued, sort of, by the sweet-talking of this blind monk who they've been speaking with uh, previous to. And when we see that that's really not going to work either, the blind monk uh, kind of bursts into a really amazing demonstration of how the Force can guide you through uh, uh, martial arts and... Movement. And movement and and just triumph, physical triumph in general. He's about to lose himself, in fact, and then his militia bodyguard buddy uh, begrudgingly steps in and shoots all the all the stormtroopers and all After the... he takes down half a dozen himself. Oh yeah, no, it was it was pretty impressive on uh, both of their part, in fact. Um, and so the good guys win for a moment, but then, of course, they get captured ultimately once and for all. By the insurgents. Uh, the insurgents take them back to Saw Guerrero's den. Um, and from there, Jin goes and speaks to Saw. It's kind of an awkward confrontation, even though Saw is happy to see Jin. He thinks for a second, oh, wait a minute, are you here to kill me? But Jin just says, I don't really want a part of any of this. Right. All the while, they notice that uh, Bodhi, the pilot... Uh, has kind of potentially had his mind fucked with as Saw tried to get some information from him. And I totally did not remember the Bogali scene. Yeah, me neither. I did not remember that at all. Which is interesting because it's very Star Wars. It's very Return of the Jedi to put a good guy in a cell with a creepy monster. I didn't to like get the him, monster. To get though. him to cave. You thought he was lame looking? I thought he didn't. I thought he was very Rathtar. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, so I, 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 I guess I blocked it out because I honestly have, I do not remember this scene. Uh, I've seen Rogue One of all the Star Wars movies probably the least number of times minus Solo. Uh, but to forget a scene is odd. <laughs> right, no, I understand. I, I mean, tonally, this movie was interesting because it really looks aesthetically a lot like Star Wars, like certainly in the, the grimy streets of Jeddah. Uh, oh it, yeah, it, and we and we Ponda Baba. We seen we see Ponda replay and Doctor Evazan, and <laughs> hey, so you remembered. I did. Well, it, it's obviously that's supposed to be fan service, but it's a little confusing because you're on a 
a city street that kind of looks like Tatooine, but you're not in Tatooine. Yeah, and it's only a few days before. Exactly, yeah. And so that was kind of cool, and, and, and so that helps to create the aesthetic of Star Wars. Yes. But something I noticed, in particular in that first uh, blowout, that big crazy shootout, how much more this looks like real war than Star Wars ever does. Like, Star Wars always has a blaster camp to it, and, like, particularly that little kid screaming in the mm-hmm. street. Like, I was like, no, this is war, and I don't know if I really... I mean, I guess I do like it. I do. But it, because it was it was well shot, I guess. It was real, and I think it shows... I think it was kind of consistent with the times as well. I mean, after, like, when it comes to the most recent wars to draw, like, kind of inspiration from, they're, like... I mean, all war is disturbing, but it's kind of these, like, disgusting attacks on areas where, like, kind of everybody's choosing, like, a radical position. Right. Uh, The invaders are the kind of considered the ones with the the right governmental system, but they're the ones who are taking over the land that's owned by this group of people. It's it's very, like, akin with the times, I find. And I find, I think that because we have the ability to portray that better now than before i think it's just something that we're going to see more of within star wars for a good for a good reason there's a lot of humanity in it and it's fine because we're, it's not like we're dealing with the skywalker saga yeah and, and it's also not like we didn't see a little kid gored or anything exactly yeah yeah it's not grotesque by any means no but it feels real it hits you yeah it's pretty serious this is probably one of the sleepier 20s like we it didn't take us that long to recap it no important stuff happens but really the whole thing is spent trying to track down Saw Gerrera. And there's some good action in this 20, too. Yeah, there is. Yeah. Yeah, well, I actually think there's a little too much action. With... There is too much action. And I, like, all of everything Saw Gerrera is annoying. But, uh, yeah, it, the action is still pretty great. Everything from Churrit is pretty awesome. How, what, how do you pronounce his name? Churrit Imwe. Trade that necklace for a glimpse into your future. Yes. I'm speaking to you. I don't know about this guy. Because... He just seems a little too good to me. Like, this is, he's like Yoda good physically. And this is, Ross, did you see what he did? Did you see how many stormtroopers he took down without being able to see them? He took down a couple stormtroopers. He took down like seven stormtroopers. Stormtroopers are useless. And if you're not expecting this blind guy with a stick to be doing anything, also, no, he's nowhere near, he has no, he's nowhere near Jedi skill. I don't agree. Think, think about the flips and the moves and the ability for Jedi to manipulate their movement and environment and force speed and force jump. This is nothing like that. Considering his he, handicap, I disagree. Colin, he, he's able to know that Jin is in a busy crowd across the street wearing a necklace. Colin, that is really serious force power. Yes, but also you got to keep in mind, it's just, it's Donnie Yen. He's a human who's physically capable of this. No Jedi skills are physically achievable by humans. Whereas Donnie Yen is achieving just give, give, is achieving the physical results of Chiridemway. Now, doing it without sight is interesting. The doing it without yeah. sight part, I get why that can bother you, but he is not necessarily a Jedi or trained in the ways of the Jedi or has the ability to no. connect. In, but he 100%, 100% understands the Force. He doesn't necessarily know how to communicate with it in the same way. His faith in it allows him to be able to get away with certain things. But when you're blind, the rest of your sentences are heightened. 
In this instance, because he is Force-sensitive, the sense that is heightened is the Force and his ability to use that in place of sight. I get it. I, I think that's a good point. I, and I understand also that there's a difference between uh, like a trained Jedi mm. follower and a Force-sensitive person. But you have to admit, he is enormously gifted. He, he's not just like any old guy who happens to be blind and so he's good with the Force now. But what's wrong with that? I mean, it's not like Jedi are so unrealistic. He's I close mean, to a Jedi. The Force is a spectrum in your in, in your ability to communicate with it and leverage it, and he's just on the low end. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't recall. I, I to don't, be honest, this is how the Knights of Ren are going to be in my. I, I believe that's fine. Then we can deal. We can cross that bridge when we come to it. But that movie doesn't exist yet. Fair enough. And so I'm like I'm looking back at the other Star Wars movies we've seen. We've never seen someone do that with a blindfold on before, and so that's pretty extreme to throw at me for a essentially disposable character. I don't for I don't know why, but I don't at all find it weird. I do find it interesting when even the slightest. I think it's extremely real. I think it's reasonable when you consider the fact that there are so many Jedi in the galaxy, but there's it, not. Well, that, when you think about it, though, there are not that many. There's so, there are trillions of people in the galaxy, right? Or humanoid, sentient beings, but there are only thousands of Jedi. Okay. So within that realm, it makes sense that it was really hard to kill all of them, but it also makes sense that it wasn't that hard to kill all of them. It makes sense that some will fall through the cracks, but it also makes sense that there's going to be a lot of people who kind of have that fringe force sensitivity, but that the Jedi wouldn't necessarily want to go to at a young age and recruit because it's not necessary. There are people who have that force and that like broom kid like yes it's the ability to broom kid but like yes i mean i know you're saying the ability to see but i really don't see how that's remotely even like that is a thing that exists on earth where your other senses get heightened right whereas i don't see why that's so hard to believe when the jedi that's like the smallest of jedi powers the ability to sense your surroundings okay okay but if the Force is so pervasive in this time of Rogue One, as you say, how come there are the Han Solos and the Baze Malbuses out there who are like, the Force does not exist? And, and, let me finish, Baze Malbus is spending all his time with Chirrut, and he's like, that doesn't exist. And Chirrut is like, did you just see me? And he says, no, I protected you. No Jedi here anymore. Only dreamers like this fool. The Force did protect me. I protected you. Which is delusional. No, no, no. He is... He absolutely, he just said he was, he was a, no, Baze believes, Baze has become cynical. It's not like he doesn't believe anymore. He just doesn't believe it matters anymore. Okay. And that the Jedi, it, does, it doesn't matter having a couple semi force like sensitive beings, like that ship has sailed, buddy. Get over it. That's, right. That's the way I see their relationship. Uh, not so much as like a lack of disbelief. And also you have to keep in mind, Jeddah is the holy city. This is like, he's a dude in the Vatican. He's like a bum in the Vatican. Yeah, it's a bummer for, for a holy city though. Yeah, oh, it's definitely <laughs> a bummer. But so that's the Vatican, I guess. But that's why like it shows you kind of how even in the far reach of the galaxy, Jin is somebody who believes in the Jedi, but barely knew anything. It was curious about like, oh, you know about kyber crystals? I want to know more. Right. And this is this one random guy who's considered a lunatic in the streets who is one of the very few people in the galaxy who would have the exact opposite opinion of a Han Solo, whereas they believe despite everything that has been suppressed by the Empire. Because you got to keep in mind, the empire, like, think of this, like, the state of China in the way that the government controls the media. Yep. The empire was that on roids. Yeah. 
like times a trillion. Right. And so when you have trillions of people and a handful of thousands of Jedi, you can make it, you can make them a myth in 10 years. You can do it. Yeah, I guess you can. I'd be interested to see, and you can tell me if they, if they go into this in Rebels, uh, I'd be interested to see a little bit more of the progression progression of Sagarera, like and how he got to be so crazy and out there. And he says yeah. in this movie, "There's I don't have much time left. I'm wearing out. There's not much left to me." So what? Where did he start? Uh, presumably very virtuous and well intentioned, and then he went off the rails somewhere. I'd like to see that more than I'd like to see his this. sister's death is the big one that kind of drives him crazy. Okay, and so we learn about Saw in the Clone Wars, and I don't. It's like a five episode arc. Uh, he's from the planet of Onderon, um, and so him and his sister were essentially, they were leading an uprising, and Obi-Wan and Anakin essentially helped them, uh, along with Ahsoka, reposition themselves within the war, refine their footing, train their people, uh, but Saw takes it, he continues to take it too far over time, uh, and he just he becomes the terror, he becomes your... Uh, lives long enough to see himself become the villain sort Definitely. of character. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's it's it's the forewarning of what the Rebel Alliance could become. Right. And also, to a degree, what the galaxy paints the Rebels as. What comes of his movement post-Rogue One? Because he dies in this movie. Uh, his, then... move, his movement dies. Really? Yeah. Do they kill everybody? Uh, not everybody, but a lot of them die. If... Peter's out. Well, because you got to keep in mind what happens in... next. I don't know if... Actually, I don't know if any of them get out. Interesting. Well, think what happens in, like yeah. in a few minutes. I guess Saw dies that way, right? Um, and so, if some of them do get out, it doesn't really matter because this is the point in which the rebellion unites. Yes. And so, for the most part, a lot of the rebels unite at the Battle of Yavin. Well, I guess what's and... not clear is exactly how fringe he is. Like, is he is this cult hero who's known all over the galaxy and people follow him from everywhere, or does he just have one band of merry misfits? So, how it worked was they were built up, and this is actually goes in line with my master question. Uh, the rebellion was built up from cells. Okay. They were called rebel cells. And so there was leaders of each of these rebel cells. Uh, Saw led one. Uh, Jimmy, uh, Bail Organa and Maan Mothma ran another. Um, and there was there was different groupings. Uh, the rebels were part of, um, I think it was called Phoenix Squadron or something like that, prior to like kind of banding up with the larger rebellion. And so they, they were, it were different factions that eventually found one another under the common ground, even though they maybe started from a different place. Uh, it's essentially what Emphis Nest is kind of supposed to represent. Okay. All those like kind of begrudged planets, but in like one merry band of misfits. Yeah. The Rebel Alliance was just several bands of misfits that had similarities. Right. So a little less grassroots than Emphis Nest. Exactly. Yeah. But as we're coming closer to Yavin, uh, the Battle of Yavin, it, it's getting to that point where so many of the rebel cells have now merged, but Saw Gerrera is, is kind of uh, one of the larger holdup sort of style. There would right. be, they're like, if we were comparing all the rebels to being the conservatives, they're the Tea Party. Like, they're just that one part. They're still part of the overall branch, but they right. are very clearly their own segment. And right do not necessarily get any approval uh, or any... like th From the conventional From center. the conventional rebellion, exactly. Yeah. That's why the whole point is they needed Jin so that they weren't going to be killed by Saw's people, rebels right. killing other rebels. Right. Uh, that's ridiculous, but it's at that point now where Saw's people kill anyone who goes against them, you not anyone who's the Empire. You know what the other thing that drives me crazy about Saw Gerrera is, and I can't believe I didn't notice this until today? 
This is another morally compromised Star Wars character with a goddamn breathing problem. Yes. It's insane how much we use this. And what is it? And why? I don't know why. And I even looked it up. Uh, I don't even think there's a specified battle in which he has his breathing issues. His lung punctured or whatever. However, I'm trying to remember if it was like that already in Rebels or not. I don't remember. He okay. was in Rebels. Um, and it's interesting because he's also, uh, this is well-timed, in one of the only pieces of Star Wars news that's out there was the gameplay reveal for Jedi Fallen Order. Yes. And uh, Forrest Whitaker is reprising his role in that. He's playing, really? Yeah. Software in a video game. And so that's uh, cool. from one of the gameplay footages I saw, it was your main character, Cal, and he's, uh, I think he's, I don't remember exactly what he's doing, but he's on Kashyyyk, and he's running a mission, but... The person who's directing the mission is Saw Gerrera, So Now, you said it a couple of minutes ago, you, you, you referenced kind of the, the fake news or like the big machine of, of information. And war. And, yeah. uh, is that how we explain why for some reason the Death Star is still just a rumor to the average person on the street when it's this enormous planet-sized space station that has a huge gun on its face and, and like it seems like not everybody even knows it exists? Think about it. Once again, in in relativity, okay. Endor, Endor is not necessarily like a huge planet. No, I don't know relatively how big it is. We call it a moon, in fact. No, 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 Endor. That's okay. what I was going to say. Because then there's Endor's forest moon. I think yeah. it has nine moons, maybe it's something oh. like that. It's forest moon. Yeah, and that is the one that the Death Star orbits, and you can even see the relation that its relation to uh, the forest moon of Endor is. It's not too different from our moon to Earth. So, so it really is pretty small. The, the Death, Death Star, Star is pretty small. Okay. It's huge. Right. But For a space station. Yeah, it's the biggest space station in history, but it's yeah. still pretty small. It could easily pass right. as a huge asteroid. I guess. And also, your average think- Jetta citizen is not like... Excuse me, jettisoning around. Yeah, and, and that's true. You can you can move it too if there's anyone even coming close to the area, uh-huh. so that way they can keep hidden. And remember the like that's no moon, that's a space station. Right. It's so far on the difference, it, it distance it just looked like a dot. For I don't them. think I knew that it orbited Endor. Well, well, that's what the second one did. Yeah, and the second one's bigger than the first one. Isn't it interesting? The that... first one. Oh, sorry, the first one orbited Geonosis. Ye- oh, really? Yes. That's so interesting. Yes, yeah, so it was it was made on Geonosis. I guess, yeah. And then it was, it was there's it, no mention of Geonosis in the original trilogy, yeah. so it's weird to imagine the association. Sorry, I was I was referring though to uh, the comparison they do show of it and Endor, the moon of Endor, and the Death Star Two is bigger than Death Star One anyway. So yes. there you go. So you said in uh, your recap that Tarkin at this point has no faith in the Death Star, no, and it's all Krennic's. Now Krennic, by the end of this movie, just seems like a baby who has no respect from nobody, but clearly he has respect from somebody if he got the Death Star built, and. Two weeks later, Tarkin gets killed aboard the Death Star, which is his money. Well, that's part of it. We also see some of the level of ruthlessness of Tarkin in that the entire, like, it's very clearly, it's his technological terror in A New Hope. Because we realize, no, he just took it from one of his underlings. He sees that it works and he kind of takes credit for the yeah, Death Star. exactly. And is happy to let Krennic die aboard Scarif. And, like, he's all game for that. It just shows how evil, like, another level of evil Tarkin has. However, this was a project that was very important to the Emperor uh, to ensure just overall suppression. Apparently, you've lost a rather talkative cargo pilot. 
If the Senate gets wind of our project, countless systems will flock to the rebellion. When the battle station is finished, Governor Tarkin, the Senate will be of little concern. When has become now, Director Krennic, the Emperor will tolerate no further delay. And so that was, this was a big move in that regard. They, they knew people were building weapons, but this is another really cool thing. And so this has not come up yet. But later in the movie, when you see uh, the, the vault on Scarif, they're looking for Stardust, which is the secret Death Star project, obviously. Right. And so that's one of the many projects. And how would you think, like, how do they keep these things secret for so long? One of the other projects there is the project, because it makes sense timing-wise, is the project on hyperspace tracking. Oh. That the First Order finishes. Right. And uses in The Last Jedi. Right. So Ryan Johnson and Gareth Edwards are like, let's slip that in there and show that Palpatine's been working on this for a while. I remember the the BuzzFeed article about that or whatever. And oh, somebody yeah, that's was cool. able to connect the dots. That's, that is pretty neat. Yeah. And that's... so I, th- I think it goes to show just like, once again, when you own the information from... Bend it all you want. <laughs> exactly. Is this a? Uh, oh, let's talk about Tarkin. Yeah, sure. Are you happy with Tarkin? Yes, me too. Still, there's one 15 second blip of it that I was like, oh, it doesn't look as great there. But yes, still very, very happy with Tarkin. He looks and a little video gamey, but barely, like, barely. I mean, it's amazing. He's such a specific face. Also, yes. I think that uh, I, I'm sorry, I don't know the the performer who. That's a shame. Who I, it is in the sense that you're not going to get my night question. Right. Oh, that's a good question. Um, he did a great job is what I was going to yes. say. I think he nailed the voice and just, I don't know how much of the stature he had to evoke, but I'm sold, you know? The stature was all of it. I'm, I'm not exactly sure how some of it worked, but... Uh, but you're right. There is just kind of like a shoulders to yeah. to, to Tarkin. That an arrogance in the way he holds himself. Man, yeah. And, and the dialogue in there, I didn't really write any of it down, but it's... It's I, I like you I, have made time an ally of the rebellion. I think that's a great line. Yeah, I, that's I all have, I've got. But. I don't have tons, but I just have what Krennic and Tarkin have is one quick exchange that's pretty solid is when the battle station is finished, Governor Tarkin, the Senate will be of little concern. Uh, when when has become now, Director Krennic, the emperor will tolerate uh, no further delay. You've made time an ally of the rebellion. I suggest we solve both problems simultaneously with an immediate test of the weapon. Failure will find you explaining why to a far less patient audience. Oh, yeah, that is good. Yes. What is a Grand Moff? Uh, Grand Moff, actually, this is funny because I also saw this in my little search uh, on kind of background information on Tarkin and such. But specifically, he's never called Grand Moff. He's never called Moff. Moff is a word that has never been uttered in a Star Wars movie. This is a classic case of Star Wars action figures. Yes, it is. Influencing. He has 100% of the time been referred to as Governor Tarkin. Governor Tarkin. I can hear Leia saying that. Yes, Governor yeah. Tarkin. Governor Tarkin. Yeah, when she's British, that's <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. When she's British which she for then, a sec. Which has been canonized as her mocking him. Uh, okay. Why not? Of course. Sure. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, because she meets him when she's younger. But doesn't she do it again later? Doesn't she get kind of British later, too? remember maybe <laughs> that's bad anyway yeah, absolutely <laughs> no there's one someone else does though maybe it's leia or maybe it's luke or maybe it's leia again i don't know right um, anyway what was i saying we're talking was grand moff grand moff oh yeah. anyway uh so moffs were a role it's a it's a form of admiral in terms of how it's it's ranked it's a very very high ranking role but it's not governor um no, it's it's a different one. So governor would be territorial. Okay. So Tarkin is territorially the governor of, I forget which sector. It's polit- political. Yeah, so he has both a political and a military role. Gotcha. And so the Grand Moff role would be his military role. 
Uh, and so, um, specifically, Grand Moff was created by the Emperor for Tarkin. Okay. No, there wasn't. That's not a role. There was no role. But there are Grand Moffs after him, aren't there? Um, not that I know of. There's Grand Admirals, like okay. Grand Admiral Thrawn, Grand Admiral Sloan. But Grand Moff was a term that the Emperor created specifically to provide additional reign and uh, autonomy to Tarkin. What do we know about... Essentially so that he could run the political side of all of the Empire. Right. Like the the militaristic political. What do we know about the background of Tarkin that humanizes him and gives him some sympathy to the audience? Or is he just ruthless from the cradle? Um, He's ruthless from the cradle, but he was raised to be ruthless. He He was raised by ruthless people. He comes from a family of warriors... He is not what you would like expect to have like grown up. You would have expected him to grow up in libraries and in like right, he's hoity-toity. Very... He grew up and he spent his like I forget like the season that it was and have the Star Warsy terms, but he would spend his time in the jungle. Oh yeah, he was abandoned in the jungle with like and like a dagger and his senses. Right, and they had this like tradition. It's been over a year since I read the book and. Uh, it wasn't one of the better ones, but I, so I forget some of the, the term used, but there was like this large like pillar or stone almost like in the middle of this um, savanna area. And so it was the area where all of the, the harshest beasts would congregate at dusk. Uh, and so essentially this was like king of the hill. Okay. And if you could maintain your position and walk free through the valley of the beasts... You will have like conquered okay. like all levels of. I see. Prove and, yourself physically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, like Tarkin is not only he's like an astute strategist and very intelligent. He is. He has primal instincts and primal um, predatorial instincts. Interesting. He, he's an animal. Oh wow! Yeah. I would love to see him fight. I'd love to see him. He would. Physical. He would fuck people up. Yeah, no, that's what. That's what I. I get the impression. But we just see him as a suit. Yes, exactly. Which is interesting because he's just so cold. Like he designed the imperial suit. Yeah. Because he just loves the just intensity and the the clean lines. Yes, and, it's lurid and very haunting and, and like Hitler esque. Well, sure. That's the goal. Yeah, that's that's quite obvious. Quotes. There's lots of good dialogue in this. There's good dialogue, but it's not very quotable. Uh, here's my here's my pitch for episode title. Uh, Rebellions are built on hope. I was. That's obviously the biggest line, but it's used a lot later in the movie too. Yep. And so I thought for one that because there's no quotable line, I thought one that fit the twenty really well was that's Jetta or what's left of it or what's left of it i thought of that too uh the strongest stars have hearts of kybers okay which is a good line for a different reason yeah it gives good context to the death star yeah because the death star like it doesn't blow up a star ever right but it's showing that it's the star of death in the sense that its core is kyber and it destroys the only the strongest stars have cores of kyber yeah, and there's also a Jedi relation. Oh yeah, totally. Absolutely. To that reference too, because the, the Emperor—it's just another one of—it's an instance of him bastardizing the Kyber crystal, something he hated and something the Jedi adored. Uh, there were a lot of explosions for two people blending in. Yes. Oh my God. There's some really good K2SO lines. Um, These are prisoners. I'm taking them to imprison them in prison. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the weapon your father's building. 
Maybe we should leave target practice behind. Are you talking to me? She's right. We need to blend in. Stay with the ship. I can blend in. I'm an imperial droid. The city is under imperial occupation. <laughs> half the people here want to reprogram you. The other half want to put a hole in your head. That is good. I'm surprised you're so concerned with my safety. I'm not. I'm just worried you might miss and hit me. Don't mm-hmm. sound so bad to me. <laughs> uh, are you kidding me? I'm blind. Yes, that's a good one. Also, he's the only one who doesn't like stumble away. Yeah. That's kind of interesting because he's so good with his motions. Cause but he's... also because you putting a hood on his head doesn't do anything different. Two, my, my two favorite lines, uh, my runner-up, uh, is one of the last things you hear in the 20. Saw basically asks Jin, You can stand to see the Imperial flag rain across the galaxy. And she says, It's not a problem if you don't look up. That's the best line. I, I think the best line is, I'm beginning to think the Force and I have different priorities. <laughs> I love that line. That's a good line. Yeah. I definitely loved the Jin line, though. I thought that was the best one. She's good in this movie, honestly. She, she is. The character's just not... Like, She's she, a little flat, but I think she really crushes it. She's really ice cold in yeah, a believable way. The acting is great, um, but it definitely it reminds me that the only two people I would ever want in a TV show would be Cassian and, and K2. So there you go. It's perfect. Um, I mean, obviously, it would be nice to... It would be great if Krennic could come back as like a villain for them as well. That could happen. Yeah, it, it could. Definitely could. Yeah. Uh, there's so many, there's a lot of different things you could do there. Yeah, you're right. Cassian is more compelling in this round of the viewing than he ever has for any other time I've seen this movie. Oh, really? I initially found he him on- kind of dull. He only gets better every 20 from here out, too. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, he's great. He's he's a really good character. I expect him to to rise in the ranks of many people's favorite Star Wars characters because we just get more contacts with it's gonna him. It's going to be a good show, but is it is it going to be kind of sad to know already how he dies? I mean, I guess it wasn't a problem with Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah, and I th- I think it's, I mean he does he does die in a good way, which is kind of nice. Yep. And he does in a peaceful way. I think you just have to, I think you just have to hope the show's done in the right kind of way. It's done. Right. It's a spy thriller, and so I think knowing the outcome isn't the end of the world. You can almost play it. Uh, you can almost use knowing the end result as a, a key piece of your storytelling. Right. In terms of like, how the hell do they get to there? Mm-hmm. Or like, why is it like this? And they're not able to, like, it, it, you can open up a few different kind of mystery boxes with that, I think. Yep. Certainly hope so, at least. Uh, just going back to Jin for a second, I really liked when she whipped out that baton. Oh! And Cassian liked it, too. Yes, he did. He was yeah. very impressed. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was cool. It was very cool. Yep. And, like, no help needed. Just, nope. uh, I did like when K2 also caught the grenade and then waited a minute and then threw it. She kind of nods at him like, are you going to get rid of that thing? Yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it makes sense. He's just programmed to know exactly how long it would need. That's right, yeah. Oh, yeah, he is a very good droid. And it's hard to yes. build a droid who, like, I, I mean, I guess they, they did it with BB-8. Nobody has any problem with BB-8, but we'll see again with Dio as well. Yeah, Dio's good. That'd be interesting. Dio is a 100% modeled after a duckling. What do you mean? Oh, you just mean the look of him? Yeah. Yeah, he does kind of look like a duck. But he is, like, the, the initial drawings of Dio. Yeah. Uh, like, they show the story. It goes from a rubber duck concept and then droids that look like rubber ducks. And okay. So cl- clearly, that's where they went from it. Because it's supposed to be, like, following the mama duck. Right. It's supposed to follow BB-8 around a yeah, lot. Yeah, BB-8 is now the grown-up. Yeah, like, BB-8 was the in, mama duck. was initially, like, the cute new tiny droid. Yeah. Well, 3PO is going to be the, the real grown-up in this one. I think R2 is not going to be in it much, though. That's fine. It is what it is. Yeah um let's see uh cassian also said the guardian of the wills protectors of the kyber temple but there's nothing left to protect so now they're just causing everyone trouble yep that's good <laughs> yep that's true this is all i have for like uh for takeaways i think that's really all i got it was uh, fun to watch 
Yeah, I mean, I had uh, there's some really great shots of Star Destroyers. The Star Destroyer and the Tie Fighter at the very start of the twenty, yeah. where it's just emerging from the dark, is awesome. Yeah, the Star Destroyer over top of Jetta City is awesome. I know this is a digitally shot movie, but there's something that almost looks very tactile and filmy about it. Yes, and absolutely. I, I don't know how they captured that, but I think it was really nicely done. And of course, there's other things that were great for the twenty. I had uh, Tarkin, Chirrut, and um, the kneecapping of the stormtrooper by Jin. <laughs> I feel like they crush a few helmets in that. Oh yeah, oh, they yeah. shoot a couple of helmets too. Yep, the stormtroopers are disposable. I don't have a lot of trivia. Trivia was really tough for me this it round. It was a tough one. Uh, what do you have? What did Saw leave Jin with when he ditched her in a bunker as a girl? Uh, a blaster. And. And. Her instincts? <laughs> well, yes. Um, a knife and a loaded blaster? Ah, we a knife. About, we hear about knives very often in Star Wars. Because they're not useful. No, I know. Gave her a knife, I guess, for cooking. Yeah, maybe. Or maybe they were on like a jungle world and she had to fight off some beasts. Who knows? Right. Um, what are the names, the full names, I already gave you half of this, of uh, the Guardians of the Wills? I don't know. I don't even remember what you said a second ago. Oh, okay. <laughs> Chirrut Imwe and Maze Balbus. Oh, I didn't know those you were talking about. I did. I said Maze Balbus a few minutes ago. Okay, fine. I didn't know that's what we called them, the Guardians of the Wills. Yeah, Baze Malbus and Chirrut Imwe. Okay. All right. Yeah, uh, ultimately disposable characters for me. I don't really care about them. Baze is super disposable. Yeah, he is. Chirrut. He looks cool. Yeah. Uh, and Chirrut has some they both have really good moments in this movie but all Chirrut of, has some good lines there's no question yeah but Chirrut has on top of those good moments good lines and you care about Baze just don't you don't oh care I like when he says there are different kinds of uh, prisons Captain I, oh I, I had that I suspect line. you carriers around with you everywhere yes, you go yes that was a great one uh, yeah. there's more than one sort of prison Captain I sense you carry yours wherever you go it's a good one that is a great line yeah it is um, night question I don't have a night question. Who plays Tarkin? I don't know. <laughs> Guy Henry. Guy Henry. Good for him. Yeah. What Does he have a resume otherwise? Uh, British. Okay. He's like a theater actor or is he maybe just like a technician? Uh, no. He, he, I think he's a theater actor. I don't, I don't know anything about him, but he's an actor. He's not a technician. You know what's funny about Peter Cushing, who definitely was a theater actor, and I think he was pals with Christopher Lee, right? Didn't we talk about that before? I believe he was. Um, I've never seen Peter Cushing in a single other thing. I have seen him in one movie in his entire... So he is... It's. It would be so weird for yes. me to watch some 1970s movie. He doesn't of, look like him. Oh, well, actually 1970s, sorry. <laughs> Never mind. Well, he would in the, in 70s, the 70s. But like if he was playing, I don't know... Um, a grandpa? King Lear or something. Like it would still be so hard for me to see. Yeah, that would be really but weird. But he probably did it. Oh yeah, absolutely. He was known, I think. Yeah. Um, what is the name of Saw's rebel cell? Um, I don't know. The Partisans. Okay. All right. Well, they're definitely that. Yes, they are. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I got. Uh, yeah, that's all I have too. Uh, oh, one other thing. I did my own um, fact check. Uh, they are purification evaporators. And so, On the farm? Yes. So they are, in fact, uh, water vapor. Like that, they're moisture farming. But maybe the moisture in the air is not clean. You got it. I see. And so uh, in worlds with minimal water, vaporators are used to condense uh, and filter moisture from the air. The Lamu hydrosphere is abundant, but the zinc, chlorine, iron, cobalt, nitrogen, and boron content in the soil makes the groundwater unpleasant to drink. Oh, okay. So therefore they farm 
And so that's the reason why they were so spaced out, the moisture evaporators, because they're used as farming irrigation. It is extraordinary that somebody figured that out. That yes. somebody like made sure that was answered. And it makes perfect sense. Sure it does. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Which is really cool. I'm very satisfied with that. Yep. I thought that was a good answer. Let's move on to the news. To the news. Uh, not a whole lot. Uh, they have come out with what is what was inevitable. Uh, they, I don't know what the release date is, but probably December uh, 20th or something. but Or maybe in the new year. But Lego, uh, Star Wars, it is Skywalker 20... Saga. It is 2021. Oh, is it? 2021? Yeah. Oh, wow. It's a ways away. Well, I think it's 2021. It's not this year. Yeah, it, it yeah. makes sense. I think it's 2021. I think that's what I it heard. It wouldn't be mind-blowing. It Maybe they're just getting now the little bits of plotted input from the Rise of Skywalker that they can put in. My guess is Legos doesn't really get uh, that up front. No, they don't get a whole lot of stuff to work (laughs) on in secret. Well, that's the thing is Lego is notorious for giving spoilers away for Star Wars. That's right. That's true. And so it's that's kind of funny. That's a good point. I've played a little bit of the Lego Harry Potter games on PlayStation. Yeah. And they're actually quite fun. They're pretty pretty charming. This could be cool. It's all nine movies in one little... It's there's a lot of silliness that goes along with it too. Totally, yeah. Um, and so that's always a little bit odd. But uh, the um, the big news, without a doubt, for the week was at E3 when uh, Jedi Fallen Order. Uh, they did the gameplay footage for that. And right. Holy shit! It looks cool. I haven't seen it. Oh really? Yeah. It uh, it's getting mixed opinions. But every time anybody talks about it, the mixed opinions just turn into excitement. So mm-hmm. I'm curious to know why they're mixed. Because it just looks like the Force Unleashed. Is it the exact game we all wanted? No, it is not Assassin's Creed Star Wars. It is not Red Dead Redemption Star Wars. But it is... It's not Old Republic 6 or whatever. No, exactly. It's not Knights... It's not KOTOR 3. But specifically, it looks... Like they said it was going to be the spiritual successor to Force Unleashed. 100% see it. Yep. It's got tons and tons of tones from Lara Croft and Uncharted. Uh, but that's only from the worlds that we saw. And so there could be other worlds. Uh, by the sounds of things, there's going to be several. And so potentially the tone will seem different in different areas, and we might get kind of that semi-Assassin's Creed-like story. There is going to be some customization, a customization where you can go and find new kyber crystals to put in your saber. Uh, you can make additions to your saber. You can make additions to your ship. You obviously, I'm assuming, learn new force power. I can only assume you learn new force powers. While we're talking about video games, let me let me put this to you. You're somebody who has a lot of opinions about actors that belong in Star Wars. I do. Uh, so this person is having the essential moment uh, and was very central to E3 announcements this week. Mm-hmm. Does Keanu belong in Star Wars or is that too much? I think Keanu Reeves could absolutely 100% work in Star Wars. Uh, one thing that when I saw it, I was listening to the Rule of Two podcast, which is a great podcast, and it came up there. And I also saw it on Reddit. So like, I don't know which one stole it from the other, probably Reddit. Um, but specifically, they were joking about recasting The Phantom Menace. And someone specifically said, Keanu would be a great Qui-Gon if you had to cast it today. now. Yeah. Now. Oh, that's so true. And it is kind of true. Yeah. He's not as good of an actor as Liam Neeson. Uh, but personally... I think Keanu Reeves could absolutely work in Star Wars without his face. What's wrong with his face? It is Keanu Reeves now. Keanu Reeves is no longer anyone but Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves is a caricature now. John Wick is different. It kind of works because he's Keanu Reeves. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In the same way that it worked for Neo, he he can't be a character with depth while looking at that face. He either has to be a side character where you could maybe, like, have it work but then you're gonna get a little bit of that weird blowback people had like oh why is ed sheeran in game of thrones right now 
I honestly think he, yeah, he's great. He is a beast when it comes to action. He's a decent enough actor that you can easily put him in there. He's fine. The, this take that Keanu Reeves can't act is a lame take. Well, no, my point is you don't have Keanu. I don't want Keanu Reeves to lead a Star Wars movie. That's he's, fine. He's, like, I don't want someone who's as good of an actor as Mark Hamill was in the 70s to lead another Star Wars Well, movie. and by the way, I don't think he'd want to just be like a Lone Ranger assassin in Star Wars. He's done that everywhere else. Exactly. However, I think he would be an amazing amazing alien or like character who wore a mask at all times and was like the the sidekick character in a movie or was like the master in a movie who got killed i think he would be great for that right but it should really be a mocap character because you have to use yes. the physicality of keanu reeves yes 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 i 100 percent. yes totally or even have him just covering his face in some way shape or form but i don't want to see his face there are some people who's who are would be great for star wars without their face Right. I think he fits in that category. Okay, that's a good answer. That's a very thorough answer to my well, question. Well, he's one He's one that a lot of people have thrown out there. He looks like the way Revan would have looked. Um, and so in theory, people for the last five years or so, when joking about fan casting, would have always said um, Keanu Reeves or Darth Revan. Yeah. And you could, in theory, you could do that. But then again, don't. No, I get it. And also, I think he likes to have a lot of producerial power on his movies. Yeah. Which he's I, entitled to, and he wouldn't have that in Star Wars. No, I don't think it's necessarily something he wants to do unless he's like a big fan of it, and he might be. Right. Because uh, he really just does whatever the fuck he wants, yep. and that's awesome, and I think that's great. Um, also, you could recast Liam Neeson if you had to make it now, because there's no indicating that, that what Liam Neeson looks like, which is not no. 71. No, no, no. He could play that character again. Yeah, yeah. The, well, actually, that's a great point. Liam Neeson, if you're recasting it today... You still go with Liam Neeson because Qui Gon is in his sixties. It's closer. In the Phantom Menace. Yeah. It's much closer. Yeah, uh, that's a very good point as well. Uh, yeah, all of the the choices they made were odd. Although I did have to say, if you had to recast it today, timing wise, they mentioned Taron Egerton is probably the best Obi Wan casting, and I think that's probably true. I guess. I think if you have to of of the names you could think of, I think that's reasonable. They're both British kids who shaved their head. Yeah, I well, get it. Yeah, thank God we got. Freaking Ewan McGregor, though. It worked out very well. It did, certainly did. Did you hear uh, Samuel L. Jackson on Colbert the other night? No, I didn't. What did he say? So, uh, Stephen asked him uh, a very poignant question. I have audio. Is there a character you'd like to go back to that you haven't had a chance to? Um, I'd really love to give one more run at Mace Windu in Star Wars. <laughs> now... Do you see a way that he survived the attack of... There's a long history of one-handed guys in the, you know, that were Jedis that <laughs> have lightsabers that still make it. But he fell out know. a window and everything. Jedis can fall from incredible heights and not die like cats. <laughs> Makes a good point. Uh, I honestly think it's the stupidest argument in the world, and I want it desperately for a different reason. <laughs> His reasoning is dumb, but yeah, sure. Yeah, his reasoning is shit. <laughs> yeah, there, he's kidding. No, of course he's kidding. You cannot in a million years take away that moment and have him survive it. Yes, it still is essential, and you can have him rise up and make his way to go after Vader or something. But, like, I don't want to see, like, Vader battling Mace Windu. That's that's quite literally Star Wars theories um, movie yeah. that he's making, his fan movie, is oh, really? Mace Windu survive the fall. And it'll be, it'll, be, it'll be fun to watch, but it's, it's a fan movie concept. My point is, though, Mace Windu can easily come back. Hello, Captain Marvel. We just de-aged you 40 years, That's dude. True. That's true. What, I absolutely want to see five-year prequel to The Phantom Menace starring Mace Windu, Samuel L. Jackson. That's what I want. 
You think, yeah. Yeah, I guess. Do you think we could de-age him that much for like a long performance where he's yes. like really physical? and? Oh my God, yes. He's 70. So? Okay. Oh my God, yes. 100%. You give him an acrobatic apprentice who is like an essential part of the role. It's, it's Samuel L. Jackson. He is literally the most bankable star in the world. Yes. He would make gobs of money for Disney. Oh yeah. You can tell it in a story way that... Like, maybe Darth Plagueis is the main villain. Right. And, like, they don't know about the Sith because the Sith haven't returned, but maybe we get to see a little bit of temptation. Mace Windu's getting a little tempted by the dark side, doesn't know why, but finds his way back the right way. Who knows what it is? But it could really be a cool way to dive back into the prequels in such a head-on way. It sounds cool also that he's, like, keen on it. He would definitely do it. he absolutely would do it. And And that's the thing, like, I've... Yeah, sure, you could stick it in between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. But how many times are we going to do that? Right. And also, if we're going to see another story about Darth Vader and his relationship with the Jedi, don't you dare give me Mace Windu before you give me Obi-Wan. Yeah. So really, when the logic points it out, we just saw that you can de-age Samuel L. Jackson. It's rich, rich time in which you can tell a story. I'm reading Master and Apprentice right now, which is that same time period. I, I find it, I think it would be foolish to not consider it in bringing him back, and I think it would be foolish to not consider prior to the Phantom Menace over post Revenge of the Sith. So why does it have to be? Why does it have to involve uh, his being defeated by Vader? Why can't he have like been blasted out the window, is maimed, goes into hiding, and goes kind of crazy in hiding while the galaxy is torn apart all around him, and then he turns up a two hundred year old man post Rise of Skywalker. Why is he 200? Well, it's not 200 literally, but he'd be old as fuck. He'd be old as hell. He wouldn't He wouldn't be still alive. He couldn't still be alive. He would have died of old age. I guess, but this is Star Wars. Yeah, but he's still a human. I guess. He's not going to live to be like over 100 uh, unless he had turned to the dark side. Right. In which case, there's your Snoke theory that Mace Windu is Snoke. That is the, th- that is the whole theory. Oh, that God, he goes, terrible. he goes crazy. That is terrible. It turns to the, yes, it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> All right, never mind. That's bad. But I agree that there is, like Mace Windu. Had he survived the fall, it would be a super interesting plot thread, and there's so much you could do with it. But I think because it's so interesting, it's a crime to pretend like it was the way it was all along. That's true. Okay. And that's kind of the way I view it. Sold. Move on. Cool. Bring in the dancing lobsters. That's right. D twenty three. So there's a maybe feature of Rise of Skywalker at D twenty three. Okay. Uh, but there is going to be some information on the Mandalorian. So okay, great. Maybe show some footage. Maybe they'll show some. Maybe the same footage that they just showed at Star Wars Celebration. We don't have much. Like we don't have a proper trailer for that yet. No. It, that's actually that makes that's a great point. It'll probably be a proper trailer. And it comes out like before the new movie so it seems like we're due for that yeah i mean tv shows don't necessarily have the same trailer um precedent that a movie would but i don't know if that's true now i I think when i think when a new stranger things trailer comes out it's the big thing yeah that is fair i think it is a new thing entirely so they're waiting for the right time but that's probably d23 or count or comic-con when is that uh, D23 is July, I think. Okay. End of July. Yeah, we'll have the trailer in July. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, people are now just remembering that Jack Skellington looking motherfucker in the stickers. Yeah. And I'm thinking, I love how people like post Reddit theories that show that they're like two months late to the game 
And then that's when like the Hollywood reporter picks it up as like a theory. And I'm thinking like, this was a shit theory months ago, months ago, or this was like, come on guys. This is the burden of knowing a lot about something. I'll give you a very, very uh, topical example today at E3. Nintendo dropped the trailer for the Breath of the Wild's uh, sequel. Mm-hmm. And it's dope if you played Breath of the Wild as much as I did. And it <laughs> reveals that the villain is not going to be Ganon. It's going to be this monk who you do briefly battle in the DLC of the first Breath of the Wild game. But everybody in the Reddit comments is like, is Ganon now like a monk? Does he wear like a big hat? And is ah. he a zombie? No, if you played the first game, you'd know, you'd know who that is. Mm-hmm. And this is the same thing. Yeah, it's kind of is that one. And so that's that was that's a little annoying because it's just like, okay, we went over this. And now some people are like, oh, it could be Matt Smith. And they're not even making the arguments about his big chin. It's annoying. <laughs> but anyway, I still think that could be very that very well could be Matt Smith sure. because he's a scary as shit looking dude. And if we're going to get a Knight of Ren without a helmet on, it makes sense to be him. This is and the cross you bear, Ross. It is the cross that we all bear because yeah. the listeners of Recorder 66 already knew this as well. That's right. That's right. Thanks, guys. But no, but Matt Smith in general seems to be your white whale. Like, we talk about Matt Smith every week. Matt Smith? You are obsessed with who Matt Smith is. I am, because (laughs) I know he's in the movie, and I'm like, he just has to be. It's exciting. And really, like, the speculation of Star Wars is the best part about it. Yeah, you're right. And so, even if he's not in the movie, I don't care. It's it's just (laughs) as much fun to speculate that he is. Okay. Because then I'll be waiting for his character the whole time. And if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. I was 100% confident because there was a very reliable leak. And it was the only, the only piece of information, the only rumor I even looked at for The Last Jedi. I took a totally different approach to The Last Jedi. Mm -hmm. And it was a leak that I heard accidentally. And I was like, well, fuck. At least it happens in the first act and I'm not going to have it spoiled. Which is what? The Knights of Ren attack Oct 2. Well, that didn't happen. No, at all. Oh, the hyperspace good. tracking happened on the other plot line. That's good. I hope some of the stuff that you're super confident about in this movie is not the case. Yeah, I hope there are certain things Because it would like really bum too. me out if you're like, oh, I, knew, I, I read all of that. Well, the thing is, though, there's not really anything that I've read that is uh, a plot arc. I mean, there's a couple like leaks you'll get on little, like, like oh, there's like a MacGuffin is a key to the plot. There's certain things like that. But a lot of it's just we have so many things that the theories we can create from the information that we have... There's going to be crossover to what actually happens, but getting it right head on is extremely unlikely. And also, we wouldn't know. Okay. And that's the thing that I think of it as. It's like, we don't know which of these theories could ever come true, any of them. And that's so, right. And some of them may not. And so it's really, it's just, you go in viewing it the same way that you would normally and don't expect any of those things to come true. But this is the downfall, is people decide yes. on theories and they make expectations and then they yes. can't possibly Speculate be Speculate responsibly. <laughs> That's uh, right. That is the terminology, uh, I believe, of Mr. Ken Knapsack and Joseph Scrimshaw. They're okay. they're probably two of the most beloved Star Wars nerd podcasters out there. Ken yeah. Knapsack recently wrote a book and I looked on Amazon and it, I think it had like 70, 75 star reviews and one three-star review. It's a Star Wars book? It's like Why We Love Star Wars is what it's called, I think. And it, and it was a book and it literally had... Only five out of five stars. One three out of five star. I was do, you just ever, like, do you ever think Damn. about writing a Star Wars book? You oh. have a unique amount of knowledge. I do have a unique, and amount you would of have knowledge. to apply your own kind of mustard to it. But yeah, you- absolutely. But I mean, at the same time, there are a lot of people out there who have unique perspectives on those things. I don't know. Maybe it's a hobby one day. That would be fun. Yeah. I don't know. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna sell technology to Lucasfilm one day. Okay, that sounds great. Yeah, that's my more strategic <laughs> approach. Um, not a whole lot else though. Um. I did a little bit of research into Abeloth. 
Abeloth is a is a Sith character. And so did I mention on the podcast about the Maw last time? Yes. I did? Okay. And so specifically, and I had mentioned about how like there was a Darksider who was trapped in the Maw. Right. And that was Abeloth. And so I did a little bit more research into Abeloth. Funny enough, Abeloth actually, uh, and I noticed on one of the Red Thread, it's about Captain Jack Skellington, uh, a, a connection to Abeloth, funny enough, which was funny, in that they do have the exact same mouth. And uh-huh. that it's uh, like an ear-to-ear teeth thing. Uh, it's kind of disgusting. It is Jack Skellington, though. Yeah, but yeah. It's, it's very much like that. Cheshire Cat, kind of. Yeah, and yeah. I look, Abeloth is like a, 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 a shape-shifting woman, essentially, okay. who has the ability to, to steal the bodies of others. And so definitely some inspiration that could align with Palpatine. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was kind of fun. Yep. Also, there was uh, Luke Skywalker: Age of Rebellion. That mm-hmm. comic was released. Uh, I'm not. I haven't read any of them really. I'm gonna read. I'm gonna, I've read the plot lines of a handful of them. I'm gonna try and buy them when they do the. I think they released an Age of Rebellion, and they have all of the Age of Rebellion ones in like one comic. Yeah. You should just get the Marvel app and put them on your iPad. It's the way to go. Is man. that how it works, Marvel? Yes. Okay, because I I didn't know if there was like I looked into it, uh, Comicsology, uh, oh, which yeah. I thought was like the spotify of those things but it was super confusing and didn't work in canada and so i didn't realize that marvel i think marvel prints the star wars graphic novels they, they, they do i didn't realize they had an app like that. oh yeah their app is pretty well liked okay cool that's yeah. great if it's cheaper than the actual comics then i would do that because i would get them immediately as well yes oh that's very cool uh but anyway so in that story uh it does retcon something that was non-canon from return of the jedi um in the sense that it was believed Luke finished his lightsaber right before Jabba's palace. Okay. This is a story that takes place between Return of the Jedi and Empire Strikes Back. He has the green lightsaber in it. Who cares? Okay. Exactly. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, that, that was just one little piece of nugget. But anyway, what happens in this is the Emperor is communicating with Luke Skywalker from across the galaxy. So he's like listening in on him and watching him. And this is, and- be- this is uh, between... Five and six. Yes. I see. And so it's like Luke feels like kind of like an eerie presence. I didn't dig too deep and I didn't read it yet, but I just kind of looked at some of the pains and read what was in the, like the relevant pains and uh, went through uh, Star Wars Newsnet and they always do kind of like a summary of all of these. And so it's always helpful to look there, uh, but definitely adding extra context to the emperor's powers. Mm-hmm. Uh, very clearly, like a lot of these are building up around Rise of Skywalker stuff. And so it's interesting how much they've put into literature around uh possession and items and the ability to retain consciousness within items and it's, it's so heavily involved that way and it lines so much with what uh the force awakens was going to be that that's where a lot of the banking is for the why the rise of skywalker will be as it is okay so good yeah um other than that i don't think there is uh that's no, it i think that's everything Cool. All right. Well, uh, we're off next week. When we return the following week, uh, have the first hour of Rogue One, a Star Wars story watched. So we'll all be on the same page. In the meantime, if you want to send along your thoughts on this week's podcast or any other, you can do that by tweeting at Recorder66 or emailing Recorder66podcast at gmail.com. Rate and review on your preferred podcast app. And until we are together again, may the force be with you. Mm